We've made difficult decisions. And there are still more ahead of us. Two people aren't enough to save the galaxy. We need the toughest. Smartest. Deadliest allies. We need you. We need you to join us. And listen to Reignite. A certain point of view podcast about storytelling. Love. And Mass Effect. Join us every other Thursday as we fight for the fate of an entire galaxy. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts. Or at certainpov.com slash reignite. We're counting on you. We should go. You're listening to the GBN Golden Red Broadcasting Network. Trainers at your ready, and welcome to the Champion's Path. Hello, Johto! You're listening to the Goldenrod Broadcast Network. Welcome to Champion's Path, a Pokemon podcast. I am your Poke host, Maddie Limerick. And on today's show, I am joined by John Bradley Lestrange, TikTok's The History Wizard. John, welcome to the show! Thank you so much for having me. I am always excited and ready to talk about Pokemon. So why don't you just tell the folks at home a little bit about who you are? Uh, well, you basically already told them because that's mostly <laughs> what I do with my time. Uh, my name is John Bradley, Bradley Lestrange. I'm TikTok's The History Wizard. Um, I am also a college professor, a self-published author, former acrobat and juggler, um, all around weird nerd guy. So what I'm hearing is that you're actually a Pokemon professor in uh, one way or another. I, I used to have the lab coat and everything. I love that. So why don't you, you know, I think you and I are about the same age. So you'd mentioned before we were getting on the call that you've played Pokemon since the beginning. So why don't you give the folks just a little bit about your background with Pokemon, kind of even beyond gaming, just as a franchise? The year was 1995 uh, uh, or 96. Uh <laughs> Pokemon Red and Blue had just come out. It is December 25th, Christmas morning. My brother and I rush down and we see these rectangular little boxes and we rip them open. And I get red version and he gets blue version. Um, and I think we also got Game Boys for that because I think it was also the first Game Boy game uh, that we, we had. Um Pat had at one point 149 Pokemon in his Pokedex, and then it got uh, stolen at a wrestling match in South Plainfield. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. that's terrible. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's a lot of my time wasted, too, because where do you think he got all the version-exclusive Pokemon from? It was from me. Exactly. So, oh, yeah. no. But, oh, that's um, terrible. Yeah. And then I bas we basically just like, we, that's what we did. Like every time it came out, like I got silver, he got gold. Um, I got Ruby, he got Sapphire. Um, you know, I got, I got white, he got black, et cetera, so forth. And, and it's just been, been that, you know, for years and years and years. I love that. That's been a lot of what I've been hearing from people is it was a sibling game, which I actually think yeah. is really fun. And I do think one of the fun bits about releasing two versions of the game that you, you know, that 
this is well, just some transparency for everyone. We're recording this on Pokemon Day. This is Pokemon Day, the release of Scarlet and Violet. So we're not going to really talk about Scarlet and Violet. I'm sure there will be a lot to talk about in the coming episodes with it. But, you know, everybody's been talking about how even before this with the co-op stuff, everybody kind of played with their sibling or their best friend. And I think that's actually something that makes this franchise so beautiful and so unique in kind of its long run and why it kind of still works because that idea that it even if one sibling ages out of it another you know if you have multiple kids another sibling or another person in your age group kind of ages into it as you're rotating through with that three every every three years you get a new game um so along with that, I mean, this was when the anime was taking the world by storm, the card game was being introduced. Did you also uh, partake of the anime and the card game? So uh, I did partake of the anime. I, I watched it fairly religiously because this was back when TV came out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, once a week, you got a new episode and you had, you know, about 26 uh, episodes in a season. Um, and like the anime went went pretty hard. Like it started off pretty pretty strong. Like that episode with um, like the thunderstorm and like we think Pikachu is uh-huh. gonna die and like everything. Uh-huh. And then Ash sees Ho Oh, which is wild that he sees a Gen two Pokemon uh, uh-huh. in like the very first episode of like before any of us even knew what this was. And that is has created a whole bunch of delightful fan theories about how Ash has been 10 years old for the past 26 years. Uh-huh. But um, I never really got into the card game. I, I had some of the cards, but actually my mother got super into collecting the Pokemon cards. She didn't really care about the game so much, but uh-huh. she did complete the card Pokedex. Oh, that's one of the most impressive things ever, frankly, to me, yeah. that is so impressive. And it's what a lot of other people have said too. They were like, oh yeah, we had their cards, but nobody really played it. And I realized that like, as I don't think I actually learned how to play the card game until like a fully formed adult when I started doing tournaments and stuff with it. But I think it's so interesting because there was just so much that took the world over in that beginning of this kind of perfect storm that was Pokemon coming to the US. Um, but you know, it's, we don't really have anything else that's kind of stuck around this way in, I mean, other than you've got like Mario and things, but Mario didn't always kind of cross media and kind of cross pop culture, the kind of way that Pikachu has. It is also funny to think that at one point Clefairy was going to be the face of Pokemon. Yeah. it's so well, I do think it's a shame that we never got like pink version because as someone that loves Jigglypuff and Clefairy, uh, uh, my friend Mads famously says that they think I'm too Clefairy and a Gengar in a trench coat. Uh, that, that makes me. sense though. That makes a lot <laughs> it, of sense. It truly, truly, it truly yeah. does, honestly. But you know, it's, it's all those little things that uh, make me, you know, as people who have seen the entirety of the franchise kind of exist. And as we've been sitting here this morning, watching kind of the r- reviews and stuff roll in, it's the first time I go, please don't be the end. This can't be the end. Please don't be the end. We can't have the end. <laughs> it's, it's something that I kind of just kind of want to keep seeing and going. <laughs> No, um, yeah, I think that Arceus uh, breathed a lot of new life into oh, the franchise yeah. with just this sort of new take on how you play Pokemon games because it was mm-hmm. starting to get, uh, for lack of a better word, a little stale because every yeah. game, the gameplay, like it hadn't 
really significantly changed since red and blue you had some new features you had some new things you could do like all of like the beauty contests and stuff that you did for your pokemon uh and like you know the poffins and whatnot but arceus your ability to actually like sneak around and Mm -hmm. actually like catch pokemon that are just there visible in the overworld um that just that's that's the game that we always wanted and arceus wasn't perfect and it it definitely had you know some bugs and it had some flaws um but i i I sank significant time into that game (laughs) and i think that that new direction for the franchise is going to give it a lot of solvency for the next Mm -hmm. like at least decade or so they'll be able to ride that money train i hope so i also hope it's just going to be something that is going to be able to be fixed by a couple patches or maybe it's just kind of like with breath of the wild 2 is waiting to come out for the new switch when it's released um the kind of more tech heavy switch that maybe that's just what it'll take is that this game you know the 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 newer games because i mean rc's had a lot of glitches i still have not started it i'm almost done with brilliant pearl which as you said kind of feels like a slog to me right now because i've enjoyed so many other games and i'm just sitting here going you're playing it because you have to but you got to get through it and yeah. I was like, this isn't what pokemon should feel like so was legends of arceus the most recent pokemon game you've played yes yes it it was um yeah i haven't i haven't gotten uh scarlet and violet yet arceus was great um i i've played most of the games except for um like i didn't i didn't bother with um like brilliant pearl because it's just like it's just a remake of diamond and pearl um although i did play heart gold um no i'm sorry i played soul silver um, because (laughs) this just it's gen 2 was in my opinion Mm -hmm. of the like handheld classic pokemon games it was the best um your your starters were classic uh, you had that cute little hat. Um, mm-hmm. you, you had uh, you had sixteen badges. Mm-hmm. You also got to fight red. Like mm-hmm. it was that I had originally thought after that game came out that like the third one would follow that same. Uh-huh. Um, that but but like after a certain point, uh, like you you will be showing up like after twenty four gym badges to the elite four with everyone having level one hundred Pokemon and like there's yep. no way to unless you're going to keep scaling that up for like another hundred levels and have level 200 Pokemon and have to invent mm-hmm. all these new moves or drastically mm-hmm. slow down the rate at which they learn things. Um, you know, Johto was the last time they could really do something like that. Although they could have done for like three and four, what they did for one and two. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I know that's what a lot of people were hoping for with sun and moon because it was the 20th anniversary game. And I think it was a lot of, they were really hoping that with all of the like secret things hidden in the art and the kind of island, they, you know, them trying to change form a little bit with Sun and Moon, I didn't think was super successful, though I did love the introduction of uh, regional forms. I think that's my favorite new thing about Pokemon. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, and I do think it is one of those things that like a a six gen six generations worth of games in a DS game might not have been possible, but I'm hoping that maybe moving forward, we can get that mega game where you can just kind of roam through the regions as you want and accomplish things as you want through a true champion's path game, if you will. Because like we're recording this the week after Ash Ketchum has actually won the Pokemon World Championships and after 25 years is the champion of the world. I don't know about anybody else, but when yeah. I found out about it, 
I cried. I got so excited. I watched that battle. And moreover, I watched the clip of every one of his friends he has made in the 25 years on the show, all rooting from him, uh, from their, uh, especially with the, um, I think it's the May and Serena queer subtext with the two of them, which I just love that Pokemon is really leaning into the queer subtext with the anime. I could go into it for, for hours because talking about journeys with uh, Go and Ash, uh, clearly uh, roommates, um, if you will, you know, but they're <laughs> 11. So, you know, we don't want to get gross about it. But um, I was very emotional about that. So I'm, you know, maybe eventually down the road, we will get that true champions path game. But what are some things in the newer games that have been introduced through the gens as somebody that's played through most or all of them that you really thought was a fun introduction or a fun change that they made along the time? Yeah, so uh, regional forms definitely was a huge thing. I think that getting uh, more exploration into mm -hmm. like how Pokemon evolve, because it's just sort of, where they're treated as a thing that exists. Mm -hmm. And there's a little bit of discussion about, you know, like what happened, like it's alluded to that, like there was a Pokemon war at some point, mm -hmm. like Lieutenant Surge fought in it. He used electric Pokemon. It's, it's implied that Ash's dad might have died in that war. And like, mm -hmm. obviously like we went deep back and past with Arceus. Um, but like there, there should be regional variations of, of Pokemon, not just completely different Pokemon in places, but like, you know, the, the different Diglets. I don't super love all of the regional variants that they come up with, but I don't love all of the Pokemon designs that they exactly. come up with. So like, that's fine. Not everything is going to be for me. I, I mostly stick with, you know, um, grass, water and, and fire types. Like mm -hmm. I, I am a very basic Pokemon player. I am in no way a competitive player. Give me, uh, you know, my three starter Pokemon and an electric mouse and I'll, you know, run house on every mm -hmm. game with just those guys. Mm -hmm. I don't need anything, uh, you know, extra or fancy or special, uh, except for maybe Abra because Abra is just cute. I love that little yeah. guy. Oh, uh, it, it's so funny when I was looking up different Pokemon, Abra's considered a cat Pokemon yeah. by some, and I went, huh, yeah. okay, I kind of get it. I All see right. more of like a fox kind of thing, too. Mm -hmm. right? Just like well, in the face, you get like kind of like that fox mask mm -hmm. kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. Like well, if you've seen Demon Slayer. Oh, yes, absolutely. It's the same, like the mask that like Tanjiro and like all of those. Yes. It's the same. Mm -hmm. It's the same vibe. Mm -hmm. I it's also really funny when you talk about like the evolutions. it's like well what animal is Eevee and because it was funny also looking at cat Pokemon Espeon is the only evolution technically considered a cat the rest are all adjacent to something else and I was like I see that it also makes sense Espeon is my favorite evolution yep. does make a little sense that it is a cat but it is very funny when when people when they start kind of splitting hairs when you're talking about actual like when you're looking at the regions and what the regions are based on and what those actual Pokemon of real animals are based on, which I always love kind of to see the research that's gone into cultures and, and areas. That's always my favorite thing about seeing a new Pokemon release is kind of culturally what they're doing with it. Yeah. I didn't realize for the longest time, I don't think that it was until the Alola region that I realized that they were basing them off of like real world uh -huh. places. It was either Alola or Galar um, that I was just like, oh, are they all like that? Are they all based on? And then I, I looked into it and it was 
so, so cool. And it made a lot of the games uh, and the things that happened in them uh, and sort of the areas that you walk through make so much more sense now. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, no, regional variants was definitely great. Beyond that, like, I don't really care for much of the like extra gameplay things that mm -hmm. they started adding in. Like I didn't never cared for the beauty contest. I never cared for the battle towers. Cause again, like I'm not a competitive mm -hmm. like player. I don't want you to give me three random level 50 Pokemon and like, see what mm -hmm. I can do with them. Like, that's mm -hmm. not what I'm here for. I'm mm -hmm. here to take my starter Pokemon and only use him and walk <laughs> into the elite four when he's level 100 and can just clean house. Listen, me and Swampert, right? Swampert learns surf, Ice Beam, mm -hmm. Earthquake, done. That's the whole Elite Four right mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Also, that's me. That was me and my Feraligator in in the because I started off Silver the first time with Chikorita because of course I did. That checks yeah. out. Um, but then like hit to a point where my first time through without the Prima Guide and went, I can't get any farther with Chikorita. Uh, and so I just started over with Totodile and did not regret it one bit. I The first time I played Silver, I literally, by the time I got to fight Red, it was me and a level 95 Feraligator. Ooh. Because he was the only Pokemon I had used the mm -hmm. entire game. And it was all I needed to use because he was so ridiculously overpowered. Like, Ash's strongest Pokemon is like a level 80 Pikachu. And that was a little rough. I'm not, not going to lie. Yeah. But uh, for Alligator's pretty fast. And as long as I could oh, yeah. tank one hit from him, mm -hmm. I could take him out with, like, you know, Crunch or something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so as we're kind of talking through them, what is your, in your opinion, your favorite Pokemon game and why? Um, for nostalgia reasons, uh, it's going to be Soul Silver because, I mean, Silver is, in my opinion, uh, you know, the best handheld classic Pokemon game. Um, and I, I think that it deserved the upgraded uh, graphics treatment that it got. Mm -hmm. um, and uh beyond that i i think all bugs aside um yellow also i have a big soft spot for because i like the ability to like start with pikachu and play through mm -hmm. like the classic ashes adventure but arceus honestly is um it, it feels more and more like what a pokemon game should be like what i thought it would be as a child and what i hoped yeah. for i would like something that is um, well, I, I guess what Scarlet and Violet is going to be the Arceus gameplay, but with a classic, you know, badge run to get to the mm -hmm. Elite Four. Because like Arceus didn't really have that. You were, you know, doing research as like a ninja to like go and, you know, figure out what's going on with all of, you know, these these weird god Pokemon. But um, yeah, I, I think I think once they fix all the bugs in Scarlet and Violet, mm -hmm. that's probably going to wind up being my favorite. I also like how they're doing the time split on there. Yep. That's mm -hmm. very clever. That's a great way of doing that. But um, yeah, so I those three also, for various reasons. Oh, yeah. I also think that I like the idea that they're giving you three different versions of the game that you can play through in Scarlet and Violet. So you've got your gym run, you've got your... Um, you've got your school run and then there's one other thing that you can do. There's the three different plots to go through because it really gives you that more gameplay because that's been my one complaint through so many of them is that the post game playthrough and again because my first game was silver i was heavily biased on getting an entire region after you defeat the johto elite four like that was a huge thing 
so I always expect more out of the out of the after gameplay. Uh, though from though in a lot of them, I don't think any of it can be as disappointing as X and Y was. And I, you know what, I, it's uh, everybody else too has said the same thing that nobody can just say one specific game that they absolutely yeah. love. And I think that's the beautiful thing about Pokemon is there's just something to really love and appreciate about all of them. Um, now, here's the question that everybody always, I think, has thought about over and over again. Who is your favorite singular Pokemon of all time? Charmander. Oh, baby. No hesitation. Mm-hmm. No hesitation. It is It is Charmander. I have a soft spot for all of the fire starters because mm-hmm. um, they're, they're always the ones that I pick. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. little redhead boy, like, duh. It's true. Obviously. Um, but, I mean, Charmander was, he was my first Pokemon. Yeah. He was Ash's first fully evolved well, no, he was, I mean, there's, there's Butterfree and, and, you know, Pidgeot, but they left, yeah. so they don't count. Um, Ash leaves so many of his Pokemon behind now that mm-hmm. I think more about it. I'm like, oh yeah, Charizard, Charizard leaves too at one point, because mm-hmm. he's got to go to like WWE training camp. And then he comes back and then he leaves again and then he comes back and then he leaves again. Yeah. Uh, there was also a moment in the show where uh, Charmeleon evolves into Charizard to fight like an Aerodactyl. And then the next episode, he's Charmeleon again. Yeah. It, it got a little weird, but um, yeah. I love that little lizard guy. He's so good. Also, his introduction episode is just so oh sad and gut-wrenching. Like the emotional trauma that we all went through with that show, it's just, it's a, between that and then Bye Bye Butterfree was not that many episodes after that. Yeah. It's just, and really in that episode, you almost think that Charmander is going to be Brock's Pokemon because Brock really does the legwork to save him. But you know, that that is neither here nor there. So is there a Pokemon that you have such a soft spot for that you would defend with your life when people talk shit about it? Um, I don't think I have any really like controversial Pokemon loves. Um, the, I, I, I do have a a soft spot and will defend the firefighting types, even though Mm -hmm. there are so many of them. Um, I just think that they're, they're neat. Also the combination of fire and fighting as like a combined force, it makes sense Mm -hmm. thematically more than most other combinations. Uh, plus that gave us Chimchar. Mm Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. now, to be fair, did we need another Sun Wukong analog in an anime? No. Do, no. do I love him? Yes. Yeah. He's my son. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's and he's so cute. Like at all of his levels, even like with I think Infernape is his final form. Yeah. Yes. The, yes. The, yeah. He's still cute. Like I'd still call him cute, even though he's like wise looking and lovely. I still think there's something so cute about that whole evolutionary yeah. chain. Plus again, um, with, uh, with uh, weird with Ash and, and how he gets fire Pokemon, mm-hmm. how he gets Chimchar is very similar to the vibes of how he gets uh, Charmander because Chimchar oh, yeah. in the anime was originally, uh, I think it was Paul's Pokemon, mm-hmm. but Paul's like, nah, you, you're a scrub and I don't, I'm not going to hang with you anymore. Um, go, go F off. And Ash is like, we're going to be best buds now. Uh, it's because Ash Ketchum's the goodest boy. He's I, a good noodle. 
James is the goodest boy. Have you noticed how James catches all of his Pokemon? He always, he's always just like, hey, do you want to come hang with me? And they're like, yes, because you are the chosen one. And Jesse and James are not villains. Like, I no. know they work with Team Rocket. They've done some questionable things. But also, it's an example of people who, like, it is a true cause and effect. They do bad things, and bad things happen to them. But when they do good things, good things. Like, it's also, especially, I think it was maybe Advanced Battles, or it was the Diamond and Pearl anime, when we learn both of their backstories. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. oh. And mm-hmm. I also love that James gets really cute little Pokemon always. Yeah. Like his Inkay is so cute. Like I just, I really, especially cause we've also seen like Bonnie and Clyde. We've seen Giovanni. Like we know how evil team rocket can be. And that's just not Jesse and James, but also like when you sell yourself out after a point or you join a cult, like it's really hard to leave sometimes. And also yeah. we've all been in that job that we're like, listen, it's my job, but it could be so much worse. Am I right? And I just think, also, you got Meowth, who's just lovable and darling. And then they got Wabuffet, who's yeah. just a champ. I just, I love there. I will say, as somebody that's watched almost all the anime, a lot of times I will hate, I won't care about a Pokemon in the game. But then when they introduce them in the anime, I will love them so much. It, that's because uh, I really love the X and Y anime mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, I think more than I even, I loved X and Y as the game. But uh, Dedene, I will die for Dedene because of the anime. I think Dedene is just the sweetest little thing. Also, I'm a sucker for a fairy type that should surprise no one. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, information that checks out. But I just, I... I only ever want the best for Jesse and James. I actually think they're the the best characters in the anime, frankly, as far as the as the characters go of everybody. I love them probably the most. I love that even they were watching Ash and rooting Ash on in the championship because of course they are. <laughs> of course. They are they are Pikachu's biggest fans. They truly like, are. Their their biggest crime, honestly, throughout uh most of the show is stalking. Mm-hmm. An eleven-year-old, which you know, mm-hmm. that's 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 pretty bad. It but, is creepy, yeah. Yeah, cards on the table. That's pretty bad. But like, I can't think of off the top of my head something that I they've done that I'm just like, I you can't walk that back. You can't mm-hmm. you can't come back from that, Jesse and James. Uh, especially because a few times in the show they do just do some straight up heroic things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have saved the day quite often and still blasted off again. But it's also because like in the movies, they're always in the movies and we see somebody far more evil than them. And they kind of stop the end of the day and they either work with, I almost want to say Satoshi because I think that's Ash's Japanese name, but Mm -hmm. they work with the friends. They work with Ash and friends or like they will help save the day. And it's one of those things that it's like, it's a villain analog, but I think it's also part of why our generation has sympathy for those kind of quote unquote villains or those anti-hero characters is because they're so much more relatable at the end of the day than a lot of the hero characters. And so I yeah. just, I, I appreciate them so much. Jesse and James are a little selfish and they're not necessarily mm-hmm. people that like I'd invite home to meet my mother, but like, right. you know, would I, would I buy them a beer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd, yeah. And James is much better than most of the men I've dated in my life. Also, I'm just going to say they are queer icons. Oh yeah. Hands down. You cannot tell me they're both not queer. They're both very queer. Uh, James, 
and Jesse were the trans and non-binary representation so many of us needed as kids to then become chaotic trans and queer adults. So yeah, I the number of times I have seen them described as peak T for T is uh-huh. uh, it ridiculous. Also, the number of times that they cross-dress and James gets really into having uh-huh. boobs. Like he's oh, very yeah. excited about it. <laughs> It, it also Jesse is the most sleek, like mask presenting person ever as well. It's very much a Sailor Uranus vibe. So oh God, yes. <laughs> it's it's so good. It's just so good. So I mean, they always kind of sell us the games with who the legendary is. I mean, even from the beginning, we had Mew too. And then we also have the mythicals. And for a lot of people, they like the mythicals better than the legendary. But if you had the option as a trainer to search for one legendary out of the whole kind of microcosm you could also say a mythic if you wanted what is that one legendary that you would go searching for uh so it, it it's it's down to two mm-hmm. uh one is is Mewtwo just because like mm-hmm. I could fix him <laughs> I could I could fix him but then um god I think it's it's um it's from Sword and Shield. It's Zamacenta, uh-huh. the shield dog Pokemon. Yeah, because uh, I, I, I mean, I, your people listening can't you know see my Captain America shirt, but like That's I, true. I love, I love me a shield. Um, I make Captain America in most TTRPGs that I play because it's just so good. Mm-hmm. It is good. It is. He's, I honestly loved that the legendary design of both of them. Also, I just love a pupper. I love a doggo. I love yeah. any canine moment, even though I would consider myself more of a cat person. Uh, but I always love, like, let me tell you, the legendary dogs from Johto. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yep. love those babies. They're ten so ten. sleek. Also, because I love the third Pokemon movie with Entei being the spirit of that little girl's father with his big deep voice. Yes, oh my god. And Suicune just being the sleekest, like, true embodiment of queerness as a Pokemon. Just beautiful. And then, um, the, oh, I think Ryoku, Ryoku is that it? Ryoku, the, the lightning one is just a big Raikou. puppy. Raikou, thank you. Yeah. I just big derpy puppy and I love I love them all. I love any I love the dog. I so I loved yeah. them coming back to the dogs in Sword and Shield. Also it felt very appropriate for like a UK based series. Yeah. It, it felt very appropriate um, to them. I also really loved the um the the three musketeers legendaries. Uh-huh. Those were mm-hmm. those were just that was just that was just good. That was yeah. great, you know, literary uh, references and they were also just solid Pokemon across the mm-hmm. board. Mm-hmm. I love any good design. Also, because like we've gotten some crazy ass designs over the years. So anytime that you can tell they're really leaning into like a sleek or like really well thought out design, I appreciate it so much because like yeah. they've given us some of the most beautiful character design, but also some of the most what the fuck character design I think of kind of any franchise. It, some of the legendaries lean a little bit into Digimon territory mm-hmm. with how over the top they are. Um, and I, I wish they dial it back just a little bit because I like the simplicity of mm-hmm. like Gen 1 and 2 mm-hmm. legendaries. Oh, the birds. Oh, yeah. the birds are beautiful. Yeah. Also, because like I love Digimon. Everyone out there should know that I fucks with Digimon. But like, yeah, I I don't need giant. I don't need a Rayquaza. I don't need 
there are those things that I'm just like, they're cool. But when we're literally got 14 different versions of God, I'm just like, okay, let's reel this in just a little bit, folks. Okay, let's yeah. just. So we've talked about it a little bit, talking about Team Rocket. And I know a, a lot of people have always wanted a game that's a little more open world where you actually can decide whether you want to play the hero's path or if you want to join the crime syndicate. If you had to join one of the villain teams that we've had, which one would it be? Team Plasma. <gasps> I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure if I vibe overall with Team Plasma or just with N, uh -huh. um, but like, he, yeah, he's good. Like, he's, yeah, he, like, it's one of the few times when in my younger days, like nowadays, I agree with most villains because most villains mm -hmm. in media are just <laughs> thinly veiled leftists. Yes. Uh, that you know Hollywood is trying to propagandize you against but like listening to N as a kid I'm just like hold on a second this is the bad guy uh-huh this is my rival mm -hmm. no this is the bad guy uh -huh. that doesn't make sense he's right mm -hmm. I also love his character design so much oh the hair is so good the little baseball cap Mm hmm. I really love all of the art in that game I thought it was so beautiful they did I love that game so much honestly like hands hands down yeah uh i mean i'm a sucker for team rocket but also like giovanni was legit a bad dude uh though i did love getting his son as your rival in the second game i thought was really fun i still to this day thought it was really fun oh shit that is who that was yeah that's his son yeah. Oh, yeah. And th that's the kind of the first time that we got, there was a little queer, maybe it's just looking back, there's a little bit of queer subtext between the two of you in the game. But uh, yeah. Uh, but then also, I was a sucker for Team Flair just because they were so dumb. I... Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> they were. <laughs> well, but then we've also gotten like Team, the for me, Team Skull, Team Shout, Team Skull whatever was in sword and shield was like the lamest villain team ever, but it was also because they weren't actually the villains. That was yeah. the fun twist in that one. Um, so let's just get into it. You've talked about it kind of like who you used in the game, but you, John, as a Pokemon trainer, no legendaries or mythics. What is your dream team? Um, let's see. It's going to be, I'm going to have Charizard. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have my boy Charizard. I'm gonna have it's gonna be a lot of starters, honestly, because I just I think that they're overall some of the strongest Pokemon designs mm -hmm. in I a agree. lot of the the games. Uh, their final level. So we're, we're gonna have Charizard Fire type. We're gonna have Torterra for for Grass type. Mm -hmm. We're gonna have mm -hmm. Swampert for uh, for Water and Ground. Um, mm -hmm. We're gonna have. Um, gonna have uh uh toxicroak <gasps> mm -hmm. i love toxicroak uh to cover uh poison and fighting we mm -hmm. had some really good typings in um in sword and shield oh yeah um like the um i i don't remember his name but the poison electric uh like guitar Toxicity. rocker mm -hmm. yeah yeah um uh so Okay, okay, so we had um, Charizard, Torterra, Swampert, uh, Toxicroak, um, gonna have um, Salamance uh, in mm -hmm. that, no and then uh, Metagross. 
<gasps> Metagross. I love Metagross. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love him so much. I so, think that, yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's, that's going to be, I think that's a, a real good team. That's a great team. I think that is a great team. I'm using Torterra right now. And I knew going into Pearl that my, my playthrough of the kind of the remake that I was going to pick Torterra. Uh, one, cause I like using Torterra a lot in um, Pokemon Go, but I also loved his ridiculous giant design in Detective Pikachu, which mm. I loved that movie. Um, but yeah, I just, I always also Turtwig is such just a cute little baby. I I'm a sucker for turtles. So, um, but you know, we've, we've talked through your dream team and everything. So you're a gym leader, you decide you've done your champion's journey. You come back. What is your conventional gym leader type in what is that team? If you thought about the team, if not, that's okay. But what, what kind of typing gym would you be? And is there like a theme to it? Uh, fire type. I thought you would say that, but yeah. uh, it didn't want to assume. Yeah, um, we're gonna have um, we're gonna have Charizard. We're mm -hmm. gonna have uh, Magmortar. Ooh, uh, good. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, we're gonna have. Um, Torkoal. Mm -hmm. Um. God, why am I blanking on fire types? There are so many of them. There are so many. Yeah. Um, who else would I? Charizard, Magmortar. I'm blanking on fire types right now. I'm embarrassed it is to myself. totally okay. I mean, it is totally okay. Would you do anything fun with your like theming of like what would be inside of the gym? Uh, yes. Um, it would be, uh, it'd be a museum. <gasps> Which is very appropriate for you. I love uh, that. And That's... it would, um, each uh, room would be a, um, be a, a huge wall mural uh, mm -hmm. like a famous fire like the great london fire or like the chicago fire that people think that cow set mm -hmm. um and then you know like your your challenge to get through there would be to answer the trivia of like what <gasps> what is this oh cool that's fun so do you think then in in a pokemon version of that would a mill tank have started the great chicago fire <laughs> Or just uh, Whitney. It was Whitney. Let's yeah, just say no, it, it yeah. was Whitney. Let's, yeah, let's, let's, be, <laughs> let's be honest uh, with ourselves. Let's just, yeah. Whitney and her mill tank, which just destroyed several generations. But I think it's why also so many uh, emo gamer boys like Manic Pixie Dream Girls, because Whitney was the first Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Uh, <laughs> not really, but you know. Um, so the, a fun question that I kind of cooked up for everybody. And I was why I kind of gave everybody the questions ahead of time to prepare. So as we've gone through gyms, you know, it's always conventional typing, but as we've gone through, they've done some fun themes. Like I always say the sword and shield fairy gym, that's a community theater is the most bonkers, wonderful thing. So if you became a gym leader in a version of the Pokemon world, or Pokemon game that you could do. It's about the theme of the gym, not about the Pokemon inside. What is your non-conventional gym concept? And if you thought about it, who would the Pokemon on that team be? Uh, so uh, for a, a non-conventional gym, I would set it up like a circus. 
Uh-huh. So kind of similar to the uh, community theater gym where like you had those challenges to go through. Uh, people would have to like juggle and like tightrope walk and stuff. Um, and you, I'd, I'd probably have uh, like a bunch of just like really graceful, like agile Pokemon mm-hmm. or Pokemon who can fly in there. So you'd have um, not Metacham, but it's evolved form. Oh, yeah. Why am I blanking? Oh my yeah, God. Well, right. I mean, we have 1,029 Pokemon now. Yeah. So it's not like it's hard to remember them all. <laughs> yeah. So it, it would actually probably wind up being mostly a fighting type gym because that's the ones where you mm-hmm. get like a lot of the graceful stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'd have uh, the fully evolved form of Sobble in there though, just because it's like mm-hmm. an assassin in like a circus mm-hmm. is a pretty solid vibe. Mm-hmm. But then like me and Fu, like the uh, evolved form of like Metacham, um, Conkledur just as like a good solid base like in a circus mm-hmm. setting I think works really well uh, and like Pokemon like that would just sort of like would fit and perform well in a circus oh yeah I love that that's a good that was one of my like so- Infernapes in there mm-hmm. oh of course because you got he's like your fire breather but also you've got the like the strong like yeah that totally that absolutely works now what everyone at home knows, but none of the guests know, is I've come up with one of these for every single guest on the show. So 26 oh. non-conventional gym types. So yours is one that I've always run with for years, and it's called the house gym with, with the German accent. It is uh, in an old building that you just stumble upon and you don't realize it's a Pokemon gym. Um, it is somewhere between like a Mugler fashion show and like a German underground dance club. And it's all psychic ghost types. So it's like Chandelure, Del Fox, Gothitelle, uh, Espeon, Mistrevis, and a Mega Gardevoir. uh, Because I do love Mega Evolution. But they're just all really, it's like part Suzanne Barge party in New York. It's just kind of ridiculous and black and purple lights everywhere and you can't really figure out where the music is coming from but then you realize it's actually probably in your head uh and you know it's all these things i just a mystery or a miss magus because she's just so ridiculous looking so anything that looks uh you know would kind of make sense this is always i say i was like well that would be my gym i think if i just had to do a gym myself so that's that is my kind of favorite of what i think i would do for a non-conventional gym but also i love for you that the circus one just fits it just seems appropriate um so you know this is a question especially for like our generation like you and i we've you know pokemon's been around for 25 years and you've had every chance to like leave and come back what what keeps you coming back to pokemon game after game or if you left and came back what has kind of kept you coming back a lot of it's definitely nostalgia Mm -hmm. um because it, it was just, it was one of the first video games that I ever just sat down and played through. It was such a huge part of my childhood and of my relationship with my brother when we really didn't get along or like each other mm-hmm. in any other contexts. Because um, twins, that's just, you know, you either of love course. each other or you can't stand each other. Um, there is just, it is, Pokemon is the quintessential hero's journey. Mm-hmm. 
right? Like you, you are a, a young boy, you're forced, well, you're not forced to leave, but like you leave home, you've got an old mentor who gives you a magical artifact and you go off and you face these adventures and you face these conflicts and challenges and you return home later, fundamentally changed, no longer the mm -hmm. person that left with phenomenal cosmic power. Um, <laughs> and somewhere along the line, you invariably wind up, like it's James Campbell, you know, it's a masterclass on, on the hero's journey every single time. Oh, yeah. And just from a literary standpoint, um, even if it doesn't always have the strongest story, it is a good story that people can understand and that is almost always told well. Um, mm -hmm. Plus, Pokemon are cute. They're just, they're, they're cool little guys and they evolve into these, they, you got cute little babies, you got the awkward teenagers in the middle, and then you got you got the the super cool bad at like it's just it's well done across the board. Mm -hmm. um, there are, there are so many elements just independent of each other that each one is just that is good that is good that is good you put it all together it's great. Yeah, I and I think it's why it is it's at its fundamentally it's basic it's simple it's what a lot of other people have done but for some reason this thing has continued to work and i think it was lightning in a bottle when it landed and they've been able to kind of keep writing it and it's always you know it has dipped down in popularity before where they thought it was going to be the end and you know so every they always are able to kind of traverse anything i mean and like honestly we have the first ever pokemon like fully funded pokemon theme park is coming to universal uh osaka and then universal orlando in the very few in the very near future and i absolutely know nothing about what's going to happen there but um you know it's it's just so exciting that it's honestly i i think in 25 years, we could be celebrating, well, assuming that full societal upheaval and falling out does not happen first. I think Pokemon is the one thing that could make it through a full society collapse. So. <laughs> Especially because every time a new technology comes out, they find some way to incorporate Pokemon into it. And mm -hmm. when it, it reveals, even if it doesn't last super long it has a marked impact like pokemon go i don't play mm -hmm. pokemon go anymore um i know some people that still do and i, I i'm sure they're still I do. you know releasing the generations of pokemon but like for the first like three four months after it came mm -hmm. out there was world peace mm -hmm. absolutely um, and they don't they can just keep doing stuff like that mm -hmm. right when we eventually get something like google glass when you like you have like a more accessible kind of like quasi virtual reality heads up display thing uh mm -hmm. that you can like just walk around with there's yeah. going to be a pokemon game for that of course we're going to all be walking around with little like like smart watch like pokeballs that we can like throw vr mm -hmm. pokeballs with our actual human hands at things and like i for one will lose my job because i will not stop playing that game i know it. <laughs> same same it's fine you'll be able to take your students on you'll you'll be able to do pokemon stuff with your students it'll be fine it'll be great yeah it'll be lovely today we're so gonna I'm, talk about the history of the unova region i love honestly pretty i mean the fact that there already are not classes about pokemon as a franchise from a business a design a marketing as well as a like theatrical property to me it should be studied because between that and mario like we're literally talking the billions of dollars that have been made in pure profit worldwide in the history of pop culture like yeah. the the like 
like the only thing more I think that's made than Pokemon is Hello Kitty. And that's been around since the seventies. So when yeah. we're talking about the, the pure impact of the world, and honestly, there are some people that when I was talking about this on Facebook, starting this project, they were like, oh, I love Pokemon Go. And I was like, oh, actually that would be a really interesting perspective to have someone who's only view of Pokemon is Pokemon Go. There are so many people who play it, who only play that because it is their way to get out. They walk. I love it because it gives me a chance to walk and they're not introducing Pokemon in order of region. Like they just kind of drop Pokemon in events that work and they do spooky stuff and they drink. Listen, it's because they put them in cute clothing and I can I can catch them in cute clothing. Like we had, we got at Halloween this year, a Vulpix with a Halloween pointed collar on it that you then got to also have on your beautiful nine tails. And I was like, I'm done. This is all I need in the world. I like have caught all of the, the Pikachus with the fun hats. Every uh -huh. single one that's ever come out. If I go back for nothing else, it'll be to catch the fun Pikachus with the cool hats. And they do them every season, every event, or I loved with the fashion event, they did a fashion week event and you could get a Toxicroak with a back, backwards hat and his horn ripped through the hat. And I thought it was just the funniest thing of him because like he, he's got his very B-boy movement. And I was like, this is just appropriate. Um, so I guess we talked about it a little, but what are some of your ultimate hopes for the future of the franchise? Um, so I think my two biggest hopes for the future of the franchise, and they are things that we could very easily see within the next five, uh, you know, years or so with currently available technology, uh, is a, a true open world, like Skyrim Fallout-esque Pokemon game where you get to go and you can pick, you know, from all of the available starters across all the generations and you just get to go on your Pokemon journey, right? And you uh, have this huge uh, open world mm -hmm. um, and you've, you know, you... also though, like in a, in a similar vein, um, I, I would like to see like an Oculus virtual reality Pokemon game. Mm -hmm. Like the, like the, you know, like the sword and sorcery like those ridiculous things mm -hmm. you just sort of have like an arena sandbox oh, so yeah. something akin to like the old pokemon stadium games but in virtual oh, reality mm -hmm. would be i think uh phenomenally cool i couldn't agree more and john every broadcast will be giving away a free digital download code to the pokemon tcg online app so today's password is infernape be the first to respond on our Instagram story, and it is yours. Now, John, thank you for so much for taking a break from being the best that ever was to be on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me here. This was a fantastic way to spend a Friday afternoon. I agree. Now tell everyone uh, where they can find you online if you wish people to find you in the internet space. Yeah, so... Pretty much exclusively, you can find me on TikTok at the History Wizard, um, all one word. You can also find me on Instagram at the History Wizard, but with underscores between all of the words, so the underscore history underscore wizard. Uh, those are the two places where I am most active. Um, so find me there. All right, folks, coming up next, we have Oaks Pokemon Talk, and later, tune in to Burma's Password, where real people win real prizes. I'm your Poke host, Maddie, and until next time, it's you and me and Pokemon.
Thank you for listening to the Champion's Path, a Pokemon podcast presented by Saturday Morning Confidential, a part of the Certain POV Media Network. You can find us on Facebook at Saturday Morning Confidential and on Instagram at SMC Podcast. There you can follow our link tree to every podcast platform under the sun where you can listen to our show. You can find us along with all of the incredible shows on the Certain POV Network at CertainPOV.com. Saturday Morning Confidential and Dreamer Productions do not own Pokemon. In games or media form, this show is purely for entertainment and educational purposes only. And our ending credit music is Jungle Cavern by Brett Eaglestein. Join us next time for another journey down the champion's path. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.